Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 269 of Ass Lips and Maple Lips. I'm Patrick. He's Justin. We are grading the relief pitchers today. I'm excited for it because I think bullpens can win you championships. Um, they don't Justin, score you runs, though. Yes, I know. I make the same argument, too, right? It's really frustrating because I'll say something like that, but then I'll also be like, yeah, how many runs did they score? And you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm a hypocrite. I just like what I like. <laughs> That's just, it is what it is. Hey, I, I like pitching a defense, too. The Jays were great at it this year. It was just a shame that they were not great at scoring runs because they had the yeah. other parts of the game figured out. It was the, the runs and the running. Well, we'll yeah. get to that in a later episode. We're going to talk about all of the relief pitchers today. There are quite a few, so we are not going to be going as in-depth as we did with starting rotation. But if you like what we do, you can find us at BFMD Podcast. Throw that in Google. You'll find us. We're on social media, uh, but we're mainly a podcast, so you'll find us on anywhere where you can find a podcast, pretty much. Um, I'm just really excited to talk about uh, some of these guys because they they there were some tremendous performances. Yeah. Like season-long performances this year. I'm excited to grade. We were very generous with our grading with the starting pitchers. I think I gave out a bunch four, of A's. <laughs> four A's. Yeah. Four A's uh, and then an F. We'll let you guess who that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, no, we, what I Five A's. What did we use as the cutoff? We used 20 innings, I believe, right? For relief pitching? That's right. The absolute bottom of the barrel uh, for who we are going to discuss today uh, is Anthony Bass. Anybody Literal had bottom fewer of the barrel. innings than him, uh, we won't be discussing. So he, I just closed the link uh, that had the list of all the players we weren't going to talk about, and now I can't find it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're not it important does, anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Remember when The Rock used to say that? The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Johnston. Rock Johnson. Uh, no, what I was trying to say was uh, everybody after uh, Anthony Bass, so no Zach Pop, no Mitch White, no Chad Green, despite the fact he'll be back next year, no Thomas Hatch, no Trent Thornton, no Wes Parsons, no Ernie Clement, and no Hagen Donner. Damn, so, Ernie. Getting all cut. of them guys getting completes from us. It's not, we're here to talk about the team that we saw, you know, a notable amount of time. So let's get right into it with uh, every, well, not my favorite, but uh, certainly Justin's favorite pitcher of all time, <laughs> Trevor Richards. Uh, what do you got for, uh, for old Trev? Yeah, old Trev is such a, a interesting pitcher to talk about because of the fact that he, the last couple of years has led the bullpen core in strikeouts. Um, 105 strikeouts this year in 72 innings, Patrick. He had 13.0 strikeouts per nine innings this year, which is, by all metrics, elite. The problem for Trevor is that he also tends to give up dingers, which is why his ERA was at 495. Mm -hmm. However, there were very few guys on this team who could be relied upon to open games and or give you more than three outs and he was one of them when it was needed in the in the time between Manoa and Ryu he did get a few opens and I think that the 72 and two-thirds innings are really a testament to his 
importance on this team. The next highest relief pitcher was Eric Swanson at 66 and two thirds. But I believe Swanson pitched in like a bunch more games than Richards did. Richards only appeared in 56 games, which is about a third of the team's games. You look at the chase rate, 100th percentile, like this guy is the 100th percentile for chase rate. Whiffs and K percentage, 97th. And his off-speed run value on that changeup at 94th percentile, like it's one of the best changeups in baseball. The problem is that the rest of his stuff, duty. Like he only threw the changeup in the in the and the four seamer this year. He got rid of the curve uh, ball that he wasn't throwing well enough last year to continue throwing it. And the sh- and the four seamer was still the one that was getting hit around. The changeup is an absolutely lethal pitch for him. The problem is is that he doesn't have anything to complement it, and that is why a lot of his outings were either really good or really bad. Um, I'm going to give him a C plus based on the overall numbers. I think that this is still a guy that needs to be in the bullpen because of the strikeout ability and because of the ability to give you some depth or some length. I mean, but C plus is my grade. That's fair. I'm going to give him a C minus. And the reason why is because ever since he's come to Toronto, the location has been a major problem. Uh, the other thing is that guys are, they tee off on him too easily. 1.61 home runs per nine. Mm-hmm. I know it's inflated because he's a reliever, et cetera, et cetera. But still a problem. he is, it is a problem. He is kind of a one note guy. And while that note is really good, uh, I don't know if I could trust him in high leverage situations. I don't think I do anymore. I definitely did for the first few months of the season, but it's like we, we've said in previous podcasts, the, the inconsistency and the, the ups and downs. Sure. He can strike guys out, but it, I mean, I just, I see him as a low leverage reliever. I see him as an opener, which is great. You need that. Um, but if it's the seventh, eighth, or ninth, and we're and, and the team is up by two runs or fewer, uh, he is not somebody that I want on the mound. No matter what, because they just—he's just very inconsistent. Um, he walks a lot of guys, and he gets hit really hard, and that's a recipe for a high ERA, which is what he has. Now, his FIP is 4.22, which is probably a little bit higher than what you would like for a reliever. But at the same time, if your reliever can punch out 13 guys per nine, that's that's pretty much the cream of the crop. You, there, you, there's not a lot of guys who exceed that. Right. I think a C is fair because it goes to show, like, like he's got... He's got the tools. Like, he has a really good changeup, but his four-seamer just gets tagged. It's so bad. That's the thing. Is like, I don't know. There's no way around it, though. If you throw your chain, you got to throw a fastball and a changeup. That's the, the game, right? That's the trick of the modern 2020s is fastball, changeup, fastball, changeup. And this team has been doing it. I mean, you go, go to, like, Ross Stripling. Um, he, there are other guys too that that throw that mix, 
Uh, I can't think of them right at the moment, but Richards, if 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 he can improve his fastball, his four seamer a little bit, and, and maybe be a little bit more consistent in the zone, force guys to swing more, uh, and maybe initiate contact that doesn't go four hundred feet, then I would probably feel more comfortable with him in like moderate to high leverage situations. But I think the song is sung for him, and I I think he's. I think he's low leverage, but he's, you can't give him up either. Like you can't let him walk because you don't want him to end up on another team like Tampa or Baltimore and then have him kick your ass in August and September. So he's, he's worthy of a spot. Very true. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add. Yeah. Yep. Um, Eric Swanson, Patrick. Yep. This trade was heavily criticized by a lot of Jays fans yep. when they traded Tasker Hernandez to Seattle to get Eric Swanson and Adam Mako, who is in the minor leagues, by the way. Got two players for Teoscar. Um, Seattle missed the playoffs. For yeah, <laughs> Seattle missed the playoffs. The Blue Jays made it but didn't win a game. But it wasn't Eric Swanson's fault that, mm-hmm. that any of that happened. Did Eric Swanson live up to the expectations that Blue Jay fans put on him when he was acquired for Teoscar Hernandez? Oh, yeah, that and more. I think, like, he's he's very good. Now, uh, how do I put this? I think he was overused to the point where it impacts his individual performance numbers. But in terms of like being at like a very good uh, high leverage reliever, like he's your eighth inning guy, and I like that. And we have him for another three years, I think it is twenty four, twenty five. No, it's two more years. Twenty five, twenty six. He's free agent in twenty twenty six. Twenty four, twenty five, and then twenty twenty six free agent. But he does stuff really good. Like he's he's obviously great at strikeouts. That's his jam. He gets guys to chase. Uh, he's not too bad when it comes to walks. The walks did uptick quite a bit, though, this year. Uh, I think those numbers are probably offset by a couple of really putrid performances. And, I, again, I think it goes back to being overused. And it also goes back to teams probably seeing him so many times that he just he just got preyed upon. Also, his slider is terrible this year, even though it's his third pitch. Uh, it got absolutely clobbered. Opponents hit 423 off, off the slider. Um, some off-season adjustments will improve that, but I'd like to see him throw fewer innings or, or not have to throw as many innings, maybe, is the right phrase. But, I mean, I just straight up give him an A. I can't think of any anything he could have done better except maybe not throw as many innings, but that's not up to him. So, I don't know. What do you think? I think that Eric Swanson was the best relief pitcher on this team, like bar none, and he was overworked. But I think that given the – available <laughs> players at the time that he was overworked at the beginning of the season, it was necessary. And if not for acquiring Yenesis Cabrera and Jordan Hicks at the deadline, they would have run him into the ground. He did obviously spend some time on the IL, but I think that you were bang on when you said he lived up to the expectations and then some. Like It was a clear 
a clear dub. <laughs> clear, yeah, clear dub. the trade was definitely an absolute win, and it was a huge mistake. Seattle did it twice this, uh, in the last 12 months where they traded a guy who could have not only gotten them into the playoffs, but probably won them playoff games, and they traded him. One was Eric Swanson, the other was Paul Sewald. I still don't get it. I don't understand why yeah. you make that trade. But anyway, it's to our benefit. <laughs> uh, it did suck that Teoscar Hernandez went away, but at the same time, uh, you got to do you got to do to win playoff games, and Teoscar wasn't going to be the difference. I think as far as winning and losing a playoff game, and uh, Teo didn't have a great year, um, and he was non-tendered. So, well, wasn't he just a free agent? Uh, it was one or the other. It doesn't really matter yeah. to us. Um, yeah. If they really feel a dire need to bring him back, they'll bring him back. Uh, so ultimately, the the trade will be overwhelmingly favorable to Toronto. But people say that Ross Atkins makes bad trades. Just don't forget where Eric Swanson came from. He gets an A from me. I know you're going to give him an A plus. That's very fair. Yep. I think the difference is that I'm I might be doing that thing where I am judging him based on the fact that he was overworked and that there were some overworked appearances like some appearances where he just got his ass kicked because he was overworked or maybe he came back too quick from injury because he felt compelled but no notes the man loves Canada geese let's move on <laughs> Jimmy Garcia I, I, this is interesting. Do you remember how much early in the year I was like, oh, man, like Jim, like Jimmy Garcia this, Jimmy Garcia that, inconsistent, don't like him, uh, okay if he leaves, uh, didn't want his options exercised, but they were. And now that I'm looking back, for the 66 innings that he gave us, he was good. He's a he's a good set. Am I missing something? Like he's a good seventh inning guy. All of his metrics are all well above average on Savant. Well above. He doesn't walk guys. He gets guys to strike, uh, strike out. He gets guys to swing and miss. He gets guys to chase. He has good velocity on his fastball. He doesn't get hit hard. He's got pitches that work. Um, Nothing was overwhelming like his fastball was in 2022, but everything was good enough. And Jimmy was just good enough for most of the year. He had a couple of bad performances and a couple times where he was on rough terrain. But looking at the body of his work, his FIP was 3.390. He didn't beat the projection. Uh, and his ex-FIP was 3.14. He's just a good pitcher. And I was definitely wrong about him. You heard it here first. What are your thoughts on Jimmy? Look, I, I've kind of been a long-term Jimmy defender. <laughs> yep. Um, and I think that if you you look at his season, just as, as a top-level view, you could say it was very shaky overall. But there were also like spots of brilliance in there too, where for, uh, for periods of time he was one of the better relievers on this team in terms of being able to come in and get you out of a jam still struck out a lot of batters. He walked less than he had before in, in previous years. He just got really victimized by some hard contact this year and, and Babbitt was not his friend. And I think that goes to sh a little bit into the fact that he wasn't pitching as well 
as um as he had in previous years but his his like his metrics and his uh, savant page are still overwhelmingly like red and positive so i think that jimmy still has a ton of usefulness considering that he has one more year he has that vested option that happened based on the amount of innings he pitched and i think that uh it's it's definitely a good thing that he's already that he's around because i think the 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 dollar amount that they're going to be paying Jimmy Garcia next year is probably less than he's worth, which is great. So, yeah, I thought the opposite until very recently. When looking through the numbers, he had a good season. He is a very strong reliever, and the difference is like again, like four or five appearances really uh, yuck the numbers. Like they really make it look kind of worse than it is. And that's the thing with relief pitchers is it's hard to judge them solely on, well, you look at his ERA, 4.09, that's not really that good. But, I mean, it can be inflated by one performance where you give up a three-run home run and you get yanked, right? Yeah. Because that's infinity earn run <laughs> average for that one appearance if you don't get an out, right? Correct. And if you get an out, it's like an ERA of like 120 or something like that. So, like, it's it does balance out, like, if he had had more runway i don't i think 66 is is probably a little bit more than what you want to run him i think 60 61 innings is probably enough but again the team struggled tremendously when it it had to deal with the eric swanson injury it it needed bodies it needed guys to go out there and um jimmy was a guy he was a body he was a guy what what do you give jimmy as a grade um i have something in mind and i'm very curious to see how close we are I think if I gave Richards a C minus, I've got to give Jimmy probably a C plus. Interesting. Just because I mean he was worth one war, and his numbers don't show the full story. I mean a four oh nine ERA compared to that three fourteen x FIP. I think that he had a better season than we're giving him, and a lot of people give him the credit for. But I think it's still a C plus. A guy I would trust in medium leverage situations my grade is actually higher than yours which i'm surprised because all year i was the one who wasn't defending <laughs> jimmy garcia You're jimmy basher a hater i wasn't a hater but i was definitely <laughs> like i'm very frustrated which um, is fair i mean i'm giving him a b minus like the closest you can get to being a c plus like it's like a very like yeah. very 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 low b minus because i actually think that um, he was probably overworked a little bit too. And he was also put in situations where he, he got his ass kicked. So <laughs> it's not quite his fault for that. But also at the same time, the inconsistencies, the blow-ups, the, yeah, the fact that he can't, like I would say medium leverage is probably where you want him. He's a guy. If you throw him in when you're down by one or two runs, you're he, you know he's not gonna the game's not gonna bust open. Hopefully he not. Can, yeah. He will. He's a, the guy who will stop the bleeding. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, uh, the the Markham maniac. This is yeah. the one. I'm very interested to see what your grade is for him. Uh, go off on uh, Romano. Yeah, Jordan Romano. This year, I thought was a bit shakier than he has been in previous seasons. The numbers do back that up a little bit. I mean, his strikeouts were up, 
marginally, but so were his walks up from just under three to over three and a half. So the command wasn't quite as good as it has been. This is still a guy that I, every time he they send him out there, I still have complete faith that he can deliver three outs. His metrics, his velocity, it's all still very strong. The biggest issue that I had with Jordan this year was that um, he seemed to be getting less... I don't know. I, I, he seemed to just be less confident when he came out. I felt that he wasn't attacking as much as he had been. I like when he uses his fastball a lot more. He throws 98, 99. Like he can touch 100 on the gun, but I think sometimes he relies a little bit too much on his on his slider. And I think there were times where he'd come in and it seemed like he was almost afraid to throw the fastball. I still think he's an elite closer. I still think that he has another three, four years of being an elite closer. Before the, He's 30 years old now, which is hard to believe. But I still think he does still have a few more years left of being this elite closer. Um, oh, he's, he's four days older than me. That's, that's kind of scary. Uh, <laughs> but um, like, I think that he's still tremendous. I think that the Blue Jays are lucky to have a guy who's a top 10 closer in baseball. I can't think of... 20 guys who are better than him that close games. There definitely are 20 have. guys. No, he might even be close to, he's probably even a fringe top five closer for a lot of teams. Um, just with the velocity and the slider being so deadly. Um, I still think he deserves. Oh, I'm teetering. I'm teetering on the edge of a B plus and an A minus for him. He's still saved. 36 out of 40 opportunities it was actually a better conversion rate than it was in 2023 based purely on percentages but he also pitched in five less innings he pitched in four less games still very similar year i'm going to give him an a minus i'm settled on that yeah uh, some of the numbers that you don't want to see get worse got worse like last year was like just such a good year i think he got an a plus from us or something close to that an a or an a minus last year or an a or an a plus last year from us and he had a a slightly very slightly worse year yeah uh from a lot of metrics the era is up like a almost uh 0.8 but the the thing is like that equals like a three-run home run Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um I agree with the slider thing. It's weird because it's like. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of pitch effectiveness, the slider and the four seam were like just as pretty much as good as they always have been. The four seamer has taken a bit of a downward trajectory the last couple of years, but he's just I not throwing he, it as much. I wish he threw a change up. I wish he threw a change. That up would be interesting. Yeah. It would give him a better pitch mix and it would also like, he just wouldn't have to lean so friggin' hard on the slider. Um, because the, again, I, I've said it many times, the fastball changeup combo is, is that's like 2020 baseball is fastball yeah. change, fastball change up. Um, I, I don't think it's too late. I don't think he's ever historically thrown a change up. I think his uh, third pitch was always the thrown sinker. A sinker. Yeah. In the past when he was still somewhat considered a starting pitching prospect <laughs> he might have thrown more pitches but we don't have savant data on that 
Yeah, we don't have enough data about that. He's, I just, it would kind of suck to see him not be able to adapt in the long term with just two pitches. Because, like, he's either got it or he doesn't. And the minute that he doesn't, it's like a lot of, of relief yep. pitchers. They go from being hot, hot, hot to drummed out of the league. Still two years of control left on his uh free agency too at 30 at 30 years old and and this season coming up will be his age 31 season so um he's not gonna shatter you know save records really for this team even if he gets three or four more seasons but it's good to have that steady hand he's he kind of feels like a a middle term stopgap like as a a closer like we have yet to find that i mean um, He's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Like I would, I would say that he's fringe top ten for closers. Um, like he might be like eleventh, at worst, eleventh yeah. or twelfth, at best. When when he is on, he, he is very difficult to get a hit off of, and uh, he does not really let up when it comes to like he's very aggressive. He's not as aggressive as he was last year, like you pointed out. The walks are a concern. A minus. Fair. Okay. Uh, Timothy Meza, Patrick Marsh. What do you? How do you tell us how you feel about Timothy Meza? I think Tim Meza is not only one of the most underrated pitchers on the staff. I think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. He's a specialty guy. He's not a guy that goes out there just to. Uh, like he he's not an everyday like every situation guy uh he does not give up the long ball he can strike you out uh he doesn't really walk guys at a clip any higher than any other reliever um but my god he the amount of of hitters he's or or, uh, runners that he stranded on base last year his era for the year was only 1.52 he smoked all of the projections yeah he was able to get out of almost every situation he found himself in. He's not even a guy that overwhelms you with, uh, like, to blow you away. He's just a guy that makes you swing at dumb shit, and he's a guy that will force you to make weak contact. And that's what he does. He is built to, like, the way he pitches is perfect for a team that's defense first. All year long. Ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. That's how he does it. That's how he rolls. Um, I see him as being on the same level as Swanson as far as like high leverage. He is a specialty guy where if your next hitter is going, if, you know, if, if Mays is ready to go and you're in the leadoff for the next inning is a lefty, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. got to be a specific circumstance where you deploy him. Yeah, they talked about those pockets for Mays all year. And just like how we, we talked about Kikuchi in our grading episode, I think that the level of usage of Meza and, and the spots they put him in were very effective. He actually was used more pre-All-Star break than he was post-All-Star, and that's because guys like Yanis Cabrera, Cabrera and Jordan Hicks uh, were able to chip in more. And actually, uh, his whip went up a very noticeable amount post-All-Star, but he still had a tremendous like A-plus season, and that's the, the what I'm giving him. If you if you really get into it as far as his splits go, uh, the, 
only two home runs he gave up the whole year, they were with bases empty. Yeah, <laughs> which is what um, you want from a relief pitcher. With runners in scoring position, he did concede seven walks to 14 strikeouts, which is a little concerning. With a runner on second, he really struggled. Uh, four walks to four strikeouts. I think some of that might have to do with how much craftier runners on second are getting at stealing signals or being able to, to alert for the next pitch. And that's a thing where it's like we've said before, like adapt or die. Like yeah. You gotta... I mean, you look at his high leverage OPS allowed, though, it was below 600. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, uh, versus lefties and versus righties, he's actually... Like versus lefties, he is a he's a, a Ginsu knife. Like he goes, he <laughs> slices and dices. Uh, even against the righties, you look at his numbers; they're not even that bad. Yeah, seven forty OPS. It's not. It's just above league average. One point four eight WHIP against righties. That's not a surprise because again, he's a specialty pitcher. Um, but he the the thing that people forget is, despite the fact that Mesa only threw fifty three. Or point one innings pitched. He actually appeared in sixty nine games because he would come in and he would slice through whatever lefty yeah. was was in front of him. I think I I'm giving Tim Mesa an A plus, and I think all the metrics really back me up on that. The fact that he only gave up two home runs all year, and he was really never the reason why the Jays lost a ball game that I can think of. Uh, yeah, he, he only he only took one loss he on only the season. Took, yeah, he only took one L. I don't know I how mean, many holds he had when but, your ERA is. He had 22 holds, by the way. Yeah, that was uh, his career high, and I, that yeah. might have been the and second high highest in, on the team. Career high in war. Um, just barely passed his career high in innings pitch by one-third of an inning. Career high in games appeared in. like. Look at his... He's tremendous. Look at his career since he came back from that injury. Yeah. This man was a hair away from losing his professional career, went back to school, got what he needed done, and in the three years since he that terrible injury mm -hmm. he's been i would say on par with jordan romano as far as effectiveness yeah he's, he's been an incredible incredibly valuable pitcher on this team every full season appeared in since 2018 2017 his rookie year he was not that great in terms of uh overall results the home runs were high then and he got hit around but ever since then he's been tremendous and having a ground ball rate approaching 60 percent as a relief pitcher with a good defense behind you, those are like those are like matches made in heaven. So yeah, A plus for me as well. Nate Pearson. <laughs> uh, every year we talk about Nate Pearson. Every year it's it's gonna be this year that Nate Pearson breaks out. Every year it's the same way, and I mean once again, Nate Pearson showed complete flashes again, Patrick, where he's got this tremendous fastball he's got the ability to throw 100 miles an hour his breaking pitches can be strong but then there are other games where he just doesn't have it and as of now he's on the outside looking in in terms of a roster spot and still has plenty of team control he's not a free agent until um 2028 so he still has another four years left mm. as a blue jay but i mean outside of the terrific velo it's it's tough to it's tough to say that yeah he needs to have a spot on this in this bullpen because of the inconsistency because of the fact that he doesn't have great secondary stuff 
the fastball, the four-seam fastball has and always and probably always will be his, his like a terrific pitch for him. The biggest problem for Nate is that he has to find other pitches that he can throw. And this year he threw a slider and a curveball. And I think what you said before about Romano, I think Nate's the kind of guy who needs a changeup. He needs something that he can throw out of his fastball arm slot that isn't fast. He needs something that breaks a different direction than both his curveball and his slider because those are both going away from right-handed pitchers. He needs something that goes in because he's he's lacking lacking the ability to carve people up. He's relying on straight power, which is it works for some people. It has worked for Romano. It works for guys like uh, Felix Bautista in Baltimore. But you need you need something when your secondary stuff is lacking. Yeah. You need you need a secondary pitch, and right now he doesn't really have one. By the end of July, the wheels just fell off. Yeah the 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 league figured him out, and I think. Um, but he also was yeah, put in situations exposed. where he got his ass kicked. Agreed. Like August first, he got his ass kicked by Baltimore, and then he got sent down uh, like after a, a decent performance against the Cubs, um, and then he was okay against the Yankees the final those final couple games. Mm-hmm. But like getting his ass kicked by Baltimore didn't help. Getting his ass kicked by Seattle didn't help. Back to back. I think the, the games he got his ass kicked by San Diego. Like it was just yeah. the games and, and where he um, got over, got fucked over by the team were the July or the June eighteenth and nineteenth, the Texas and Miami back to back, where he gave up three runs um, against Texas today on on the first game, and then they threw him immediately back out the next day, and he gave up. Uh, five runs to yeah, Miami. Yeah, he should never just... have been put in that position. No, that was uh, that was a big oof on the team's part there. Huge mistake, and it blows. If you look at his ERA for the year, four point eight five, it's just it was absolutely destroyed at that point, and there was yeah. no way to recover. He still he got absolutely thwomped by San Diego and Seattle, but other than that, pretty consistent. He is a guy who can strike you out. The whip though by the uh, is it got out of control by the end of the year. And it was just, it wasn't just that guys got him figured out. It was that he just like, I mean, the whip for the season was 1.27, which, which is uh, on par with you say Kikuchi. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a, it's a good whip. The problem is, is that the hits he was giving up were a lot of long or hard contact. That was what got him. That's what did him in. The lack of ground balls hurt him. He, his, his ground ball rate was down to 30% this year, which was the lowest it's been in his big league career. Um, and, yeah, he pitched ab- about triple what his career high innings had been in the big leagues at, at this up to this point, and that was all as a reliever. 35 games, but, I mean, gave up 23 earned runs in those 35 games, so that's too many runs. Uh, the, the question really we have to ask ourselves is that is Nate Pearson worth a roster spot? And if so, what role does he play on this team? So the Nate Pearson is worth a 40 man roster spot, undoubtedly, because he has plenty of options. He doesn't need to be kept at the big league level. He can be in Buffalo pitching two to three, four days a week, every seven, four game, four, three or four times every seven games if you need him to down there to be ready to come up in, in in terms of if there's an injury at the big league level as of now 
there is not a spot for him in the big league bullpen going to 2024 based on current personnel. Um, that could obviously still change depending on if any trades or DFAs are made for guys like Mitch White, if they decide to maybe trade a guy like Richards, um, or maybe even trade try to trade Jimmy Garcia. I just don't s- I just don't see any of that really happening. Mitch White's really the guy that is hanging by a thread. Um, the bullpen's not really a, an area of focus for the Jays in terms of improvement, and I think they have the internal options with guys like Nate Pearson and Bowden Francis, um, Adam Simber, Zach Pop, who are all currently not in the mix where they're going to have a good competition coming into spring training for those last couple of bullpen roles and they'll be considered there but I, I don't think he gets it i think he's a, he because of the because of the flexibility he has he can still go to buffalo for one more I year think, i think he I has think one option get, here left i think he's going to get traded i can see it happening and yeah i mean a change of scenery might do him good he still has the ability to, to become an effective pitcher he's 27 now I mean, you look at Jordan Romano, it was really only his last three years that he's been truly, uh, like, super effective, and, and he was 27 in that, in that first effective season. He's now 30. So Nate's, Nate's runway isn't over, but it might be over with the Blue Jays. So, yeah. It's like butters. Like, I just think... Uh, yeah, you, you, run, you just run out of, run out of room <laughs> for these guys. There's no runway left. They've got to prove that they deserve it. That being said... Uh, if we look D at how for Butters, me. if we look at how Butters did in um, Seattle, in Seattle, it, it's promising. They missed the playoffs. They did, but it's they didn't miss the playoffs because of Butters. Yeah, I'm giving um, Nate the D. Uh, yeah, D minus, like the minimum to pass, because I I think his pitch mix just isn't good enough to be a reg like a regular right now if he were to incorporate maybe a uh, a change up and then on top of that maybe um play to his strengths a little yeah. bit more uh, it's see it's hard to say actually you know what i'm gonna say d plus not d minus okay. i think he did better i think he had a better year than what 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 i think um and it's not quite his fault. He got his ass kicked in a couple games back to back. If you take that one out, yeah, the I mean, numbers are better, but it's there's a lot not of games enough. you could take out. <laughs> yeah, it's um, too much inconsistency. Too much inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, Bowden Francis, Patrick, interesting this is guy. Weird here. to me. Yeah, this it's... is so weird to talk about this because I don't I think we did... expected thirty six innings from him. <laughs> no. And that's the thing is, like, I don't understand where it even came from. Yeah, it just kind of seemed to come in those kind of dog days of summer games where <coughs> Swanson was injured. It was where Romano was a little bit banged up for a time. Um, you look at the, the days that he pitched, and, I mean, it was mainly August and September was more than, like, about two-thirds of his appearances this year, which lines up with the those IL spots. But you look at the the, the – length of his outings and there were some like he had a four outing or four inning outing in, at the end of june against san fran um he had a couple of outings that were he had three three different outings that were three or more innings he provided some length when when this team needed it and he backed up hunjin ryu quite a bit and, and yusuke kuchi and their starts when they couldn't deliver four or five innings you know like he was a guy that was relied upon and i mean you look at 
he only gave up runs and like a handful of star a handful of appearances and there are a lot of zeros on the board yep i think uh, he's a ple- a very pleasant surprise i think for the jays uh yeah he, again it's another guy with a uh, four seamer curveball slider no change up the difference is his stuff uh plays but i think it's just this was the guy they got for Rowdy, Tel- Rowdy Telez, if people don't remember how Broden Francis came to be a Blue Jay, by the way. Um, after, this is now going on 14, 15 months where I've been saying we need a swing man, we need a swing man, we don't have one anymore, Russ Stripling is gone, we need a swing man. This is your swing man, right here. Yeah, um, better than Mitch this, White. He's absolutely earned himself a roster spot uh, with his performance. I, I don't know if I go that far. I would. I would say that he is our swing man going into 2024. Um, he's definitely not going to be a starter. Um, we don't need him to be. The, 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 yeah, the problem is, is that he could be a, like, he could be your, your, the, like your, your sixth man up, you know, in terms of the rotation. Like he could be your guy that fills in when, if and when somebody gets hurt. And th- that's the problem that Blue Jays have right now. They've got these guys like Mitch White and Bowden Francis and uh, Brandon Little, who they just acquired from the Cubs last week, who are capable of starting at AAA, but are they capable of being starters at the big league level? I think you are onto something with the swingman thing. I do like that angle for Bowden I just think he. I just think he'll give us, like, as long as they keep him fresh to, like, to throw he's going to need a lot of simulator sessions to keep him up to speed but because yeah i don't see him as a one inning guy i think he's a two inning guy yeah he's a six to nine out guy he could really chew into uh some of the higher leverage guys who got forced into lower leverage situations he could really chew into that time which would be good because you don't want eric swanson shouldn't be throwing 66 innings neither should jimmy garcia yeah you gotta and Bowden Francis is going to be a guy who could eat innings next year that can really do well with, um, you know, limiting, uh, limiting overuse of the bullpen. Well, yeah. worth noting that for a guy who threw 36.1 innings pitched, you know what his left on base percentage was? It was 100. I was, I was it's 100%. That. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, he didn't let any, any inherited runners score, which I mean – you don't expect to happen, <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a B minus for him. I'm giving Bowden Francis a B plus because I don't see what he could have done much better. He got out of almost every jam that he found himself in. The only home runs he gave up, I think, were solo shots earlier in the year. Like, yeah, they're I mean, they're else, just uh, for me. I think the. The underlying numbers, he did beat a lot of projections, and so that's that's like I'm giving him a B minus just because I want to temper expectations. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's talk about Jay Jackson, everybody's favorite. Yeah, terrific, uh, terrific human. <laughs> favorite human being, great guy, great season. Twenty nine point two innings pitched, got himself three dubs. Bounced around between AAA and the in the bigs. Yeah, we go down to AAA and absolutely slice him apart. Um, it's weird. It's so he, he's an interesting case because he's a guy that, if you look at his numbers, you would think like you absolutely have to have him on the roster. But there was often no space for him. 
He was great, though. Like, he struck guys out at a higher pace than he has since 2019. Uh, Granted, they're smaller sample sizes. The walks are uh, about on par to what a reliever is. The home runs are about on par for a reliever. Did you know that Uh, every run he allowed, both earned and unearned, was at Rogers Center? Hit a zero ERA on the road? Wow, it's impressive. Overall ERA of 2.12. The FIP was 4.20. Uh, XFIP 4.29, so he smoked the projections. He was just able to get out of jams. Definitely was better in the first created. half, but it was still was still very good in the second half. He had a, he had a great year as a guy who um kind of came back from overseas. I believe he was no he, was he overseas at one point? I can't remember. No, I have no idea. He was yeah, he yeah. was in the I know he was in the Chicago organization. For yeah, many years. then he was kind of bouncing around. I, I maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but. Yeah, it just the fact that he was able to, like you said, be that journeyman at age 35 and have a good year. Maybe he, he's he's likely bought himself a look elsewhere. I don't know if the Jays have room for him again. But yeah. I'm I don't just, think I don't, they do. I don't have much to say about Jay Jackson, like that we can't kind of parse by looking at a stat sheet. I think uh, an easy B for me. I think the home runs were were great. Like he didn't give up a ton of them. Um, beating the projections is always great, but it makes me wary of future results, and especially based on his past results as well, too. Um, There's no way that he comes back to Toronto. No, I don't think so. No and I mean, the Jays chance. aren't going to give him a major league deal, and that's probably no. what he's looking for at this yep. point in his career as an age 36 player. There's probably about 15 teams that would probably yeah, be a there's, serious look. Yeah, there's definitely a team out there. I hope he's able to land a big league deal with somebody, even if it's just for one year, just to kind of secure a little bit of the bag, get a couple million bucks or whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely love the guy as a person. He was effective when, when called upon for the most part for this team. Uh, easy B for me. Mm. Uh, yeah. A B is fine. It's we're getting into the, the the phase of our 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 stuff here where the it's hard to look at twenty nine innings or whatever. Yeah, I mean at least yeah, with yeah. with with the next two guys, the former St. Louis Cardinals duo of Hicks and Cabrera, we have a, a, a larger sample size to look at from their time in St. Louis as well. Yeah, and I think what um, I'm what I'm gonna end up doing like for let's move on from Jay Jackson as a B pro. So for Jordan Hicks, I'm gonna look at the whole season. I'm gonna do that as well. Yeah, um, we, we we can we can parse things away from their numbers like splits in terms of how effective they were for the Blue Jays or ineffective if that's the case. But I think um, it's fair to grade them mainly on their time in Toronto is how I'm gonna weight my grade. But I will look at the entire season. So looking at Jordan Hicks, um, this is weird to say, but he he was three wins and nine losses with twelve saves this year. I think he's, I mean, he was on St. Louis. He pitched in a lot of leverage situations. <laughs> yeah, uh, his K's per nine were at a career high this year at eleven point one zero. The walks per nine were at four point three nine, which was problematic and probably part of the reason why St. Louis was okay to move on from him. Uh, the home runs have never been an issue for him. He doesn't give them up. Uh, he got hit worse than any other year. The BABIP was 3.23. Uh, that being said, at a 3.29 ERA, 1.1 F4, uh, 
pretty good season for a guy who does walk a lot and doesn't really get a lot of chasing. He just generates a an unbelievable amount of ground balls, and I think the tank just got dry by the end of the season. Fair, and I mean he wasn't he wasn't the same. He didn't. He wasn't utilized the same way in Toronto as he was in in St. Louis. He wasn't the closer no. anymore. He still got opportunities to do so. Ended up with four saves with the Jays, but he struck out four and a half less batters per nine innings with the Blue Jays, while also walking two fewer batters. He gave up more home runs, but everything else was kind of similar. His ERA number was actually lower than the Jays. It was a two six three compared to that three six seven with uh, St. Louis. He threw less velo with the with the Jays. His average fastball velocity was only ninety nine versus one hundred and one in St. Louis. And that was partly due to the fact that the Jays were getting him to throw a bit more of his off-speed pitches, which is why the strikeout numbers kind of declined a little bit. He was a big blow it by you with the fastball guy. I think the Jays, the Jays were able to finesse him a little bit more. As much as you, as much as you can finesse ninety-nine, the Jays were able to get a bit more finesse from him, and a bit less wild command, which is why the walks dropped as well. Um, being being wild and having a high walk number, I mean Trevor Richards is the same. He also strikes out a lot of batters you get a lot of guys chasing bad pitches too, right? Like think of how much heavy Baez would swing anything that's out of the strike zone. Like you just get guys who are going to chase. And I think Hicks just worked in the zone a lot more with the Jays, which led to a lot more contact. His BABIP dropped tremendously as a Blue Jay. Also helps when you have a, a, I mean, the the Cardinals have a good defense. They've got Nolan Arenado at third base, but the Jays had an elite defensive team. And I think that really helped Hicks too. Um, Probably not worth the money it's going to command him to bring him back. I think the Jays will look into it. But this guy is going to be going into his age. He, he is 27 now, so he's going to be 27 until next September. And is probably going to be looking for that like three, four-year deal that relievers typically look for around this point in their career. But um, I'm, I'm going to... If I was grading him over the full season, I would probably give him... A B minus. I think his time with the Jays, I'll give him a B plus, because he was overall effective and was much needed considering that Swanson and Armando both spent some time being a little bit banged up. So, yeah, B plus. I would say the same. I'd say B is probably very fair. Uh, uh, looking at the full body of his work for the season, as a J, I this is tough. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the last appearance wasn't good. No. It's tough. I mean, he was really good in September. Yeah. Uh, as a J, he was probably an A minus for me, but sure. then, or if you look at his overall body of work, a B is pretty fair, I think. He is a guy. I mean. The Jays are spending ten point five million dollars on Chad Green. I think that pretty much blows the budget for on relievers. Yeah. Yeah, like we, I, they, he's on a big closer. budget relievers anyway. Yeah, he's got a chance to close games or be a setup man. He will end up either in uh, in one of the New York teams or one of the LA teams, like in, or in Texas, paid, like a good, 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 or yeah, or, or like a Texas team and get paid a lot of money. I don't think the Jays can afford him. I don't know if the Jays want to afford him. The other well, thing. it's that too. Uh, um, this guy, this next guy, yeah, we were talking teammate. about. I'm actually, I'm really excited to talk about him because I, I think the world of him. He's also 27, but he'll be 27 until the end of next season, uh, right. as well, because his birthday is October 10th. 
So when the Jays miss the playoffs, he'll still be 27. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Yenesis Cabrera on the two, uh, bo- on both teams. I'm going to look at his full body of work. Yep. Um, and then we'll talk about his time as the Jays. Pretty dramatic difference. Oh, he pitched huge. 55.2 innings pitched, which was not his career high, but it was more than he pitched the year before. The strikeouts at 9.38 Ks per nine. Delicious. Love it. Uh, the walks down to 3.88 per nine, which is a career best. Home runs per nine at 1.29 is not a career best. However, it's also pretty pretty good, like pretty common for a reliever. Uh, he is not really a ground ball guy, um, which isn't good if you don't like home runs. But he also didn't give up a lot of home runs, so... Uh, a 4.04 ERA with a 4.44 FIP. So he, he very slightly beats the projections, but it's really the tale of like two different seasons. Yeah, we, completely. Just if, like if Hicks, we, really. If we want to get into it, which we really should, we'll split it up. Uh, Justin, talk to me about uh, Yenesis Cabrera's time as a Jay. Yeah, and I think just like Hicks, both guys had better numbers with the Blue Jays, and I think it helps to also play on a winning team. The Cardinals were not good this year. Their pitching wasn't great. Their defense wasn't great as a whole. And they, they like the Blue Jays, struggled to score. But Yenesis Cabrera, um, I th- when he came over to the Toronto, he, he did the exact same thing that Jordan Hicks did. Yes, the strikeouts went down, but the walks were also cut by more than like in half. And then some, like, they went from 5 to 2.3 for nine innings. And the home runs declined in, in half again. The BABIP was low. He really beat the projections quite by quite a bit with Toronto, a 266 ERA versus a 481 XFIP. So, I mean, yeah, a guy who beats the projections was also was utilized similar to Timmy Meza, where they tried to get him in pockets against mainly left-handed batters, great against lefties. Again, that OPS is just over 600. It's about 630 for him against lefties versus damn near 800 against right-handed pitching or right-handed batters. So I think that he's going to be used in a similar way that they utilized Tim Meza find those pockets of lefties where there are going to be two, three, four lefties coming up in the next five batters that you can utilize him in, and that's where he's effective. Um, for me, yeah, if I was grading him on his full body of work, it's just probably like a C-, minus. but time as a J, I'll give him a B-. minus. Yeah, I feel the same. He took away appearances from Tameza, which is not the worst probably thing. Again, thing. Yep. one of the big and problems... And saved some Swanson innings again, too. That's the thing is like the Jays have to have that depth if they're going to continue to be the uh, same or similar team next year where they lean very hard on pitching. Yeah, you need a Yenesis Cabrera, and the great thing about Yenesis Cabrera is that he's they they get two more years of him. They get next year and the year after before he's a free agent. At twenty seven though, he fits onto this team so well. Uh, I I just I don't see him going anywhere, um, mm-hmm. and I just think that. If he can perform the same way he did this year with the Jays, I mean, I don't see, I don't see why he wouldn't be back. Yeah. Um. I I, I would say if I think, a, a, maybe not a B plus, but a B. That trade was a big win. Though. That trade was an easy. The, both of those trades were beneficial for the Jays, but the Cardinals e- there for sure. Easy dubs. We got two more guys left. We'll talk about Adam Simber. Really uh, an unfortunate season yeah, for him. injuries piled up. 
the injuries uh, were they just dogged him all year with twenty point two innings pitched, uh, fifty innings fewer than his past two seasons. Yeah, through seventy seven games in twenty twenty two and seventy two the year before that, that may have caught up with him. Strikeouts went way down. The walks doubled. The home, home runs, runs tripled. Quadrupled almost. <laughs> uh, his home run per, per fly ball was 28.6, which is enough to be That's like, yeah, you got to be demoted. Terrible. And an ERA of 7.40 and a FIP of 7.46. There's really nothing. It's <sighs> It's tough to give a guy crap for being hurt, especially after he was so effective the prior two years. Mm-hmm. I think I think I've got to give him an incomplete here, just based on the fact that he was never—I don't think ever really fully healthy this season. Um, if I had to grade him, it's it's probably it's an F. But out of respect for the two great years he did, like the year and a half he did give the Blue Jays, um, I'll give him an incomplete. Um, I do think he'll be non-tendered. Again, he's not projected in the in the opening day bullpen right now anyway. And he's going into his last year of arbitration eligibility. I think the Blue Jays will non-tender him as a guy who is already 33 years old and is likely past his prime. So, yeah, incomplete, non-tender. I think that's fair because the grade that I would give him if I had to judge him based on his it's body work this yeah. season was, is, is yeah. not good. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't even want to talk about the last guy, but this is the last opportunity we'll ever get to discuss uh, Anthony Bass F. as a, uh, yep, I like it. <laughs> um, he can't spell bass without ass. He didn't play the rest of the year. No, the he sure did not. Leagues. He was released and not resigned and not picked up by any team. At 36 years old, having coming off of, I had high hopes for him coming to the season too. Yeah, uh, coming off the worst season of his career, really. Um, yeah, I my I, I believe if I remember correctly, my preseason prediction was that he was going to lead the bullpen in strikeouts. <laughs> That's an L. I'll take I'll wear that one. My boy Trevor Richards did that anyway, but <laughs> yeah, did, it's, this uh, did is, he even did he even go to a minor league? No, he play? he was released from the organization and did not pitch again this season. Um, That's probably it could be it could be his career. Honestly, I mean, yeah, probably is team i'm sure he might get a minor league deal somewhere or maybe he'll go pitch overseas for a couple years and make a little bit more cash but yeah a real a real shitty end to his career and i mean yeah he can't spell bass without ass so that's an f for me that's all i got i don't want to talk about anymore i'm done (laughs) yep we're done and that's it that's That's that I feel like we gave out way too many A's this year for the pitching, but, but they I, were also they deserved the best, it. <laughs> this is the best pitching team that the Jays have ever had. Yeah, so like we'll, I guess they will be harsh when they get to the the next grading episodes. Will be a lot more harsh. Yeah, I see it. I'm scared. I'm not scared. I'm looking forward to it. I got. I got. Uh, I'm like uh, Mr. Costanza. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about them. <laughs> it's Festivus time. Yeah. all my grievances well if you have any grievances for any of our episodes you can find us uh, at bfmd podcast wherever uh we love feedback so if you got it we'll take it Good talk or bad. shit i'm gonna mute you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
report you yeah. for hate speech or something. Yeah, get out of here. Um, but really, um, we really love doing these episodes, and here we are, uh, halfway through all of our grading. There'll be more to come, and uh, you guys stay tuned. Thank you.